All right, Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. I had a couple people ask me periodically since school has ended, and they say, so do you go out and get a job during the summer? I mean, what do you do? Do you ever find things to do? And I'm like, okay, so if you wonder, go out here, look down the hallway, look, oh, there's a lot of stuff that we get to do. So the school year is over, but there's a lot of things that are still getting done. And so uh, if you get a chance, go out. If you've noticed new carpet is getting installed, paint rooms are painted, things have been removed, things are going to get put back. God's doing some things. So praise the Lord. I've got to be a small part of that. But I'm always keeping busy. Always keeping busy, especially during the summer. I mean, as soon as school is out, I'm already planning for next year. And so Melanie taught me well. So she's like, it doesn't stop, right? It just always, it's, there's no, there's always rolling over. So Galatians chapter 6, uh, if you could join me there. And as you get there, if you could stand out of the respect of reading of God's word. Galatians chapter 6. Verse number one, we're going to look at the message is entitled, Becoming a Burden Bearer. Six, chapter six, verse one, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself, but let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing, then he shall have rejoicing in himself and not in another. Verse 5, for every man shall bear his own burden. Thank you. You may be seated. Becoming a burden bearer. This year our theme church is what? Church matters. And it matters, as Pastor has said a few times, it matters how we church. And so with that being said, uh, I think it's Sunday nights. There's been a, 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 an attention a little bit on uh, covering the one another's uh, of, the, uh, of the New Testament. It matters how we church. And so as uh, he gave me my, my preaching uh, date, I said, can I have bury one another's burdens? Are you going to, I did not say like that. I said, are you going to do bearing one another's burdens? And he said, I don't think so. I said, well, can I do it? And he, he, he graciously allowed me to. And so, God, we're going to look at bearing, becoming a burden bearer. The phrase one another is found at least 12 times in our New Testament with a specific command attached to it. We're commanded to love one another, prefer one another, receive one another, forbear one another, forgive one another, comfort one another, edify one another, exhort one another, be kind one to another. Pray for one another, which we've done tonight. And the last one is probably a, a bit of an underdog. And this is an anticipated one. I don't know. I'm going to throw the ball in his court about this one because this is the underdog. It's the highly anticipated one. It is greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't know if that'll make the cut or not, but interesting. Interesting enough, it's mentioned four times. And so... The ball's there. I don't know. He might swat it away, but we'll see. But we're commanded to do these things because it matters how we church. But one of the most pivotal ways I believe the church can church with one another is bearing one another's burdens. Each of us is called and commanded to be a burden bearer. It's not a task reserved to the pastoral office. It is a task reserved to each and every one of us. And remember, the analogy of a church is that we're a body. And when one member of the body is hurting, the rest of the body 
is infected, is it not? And so it requires God's people to be conscious and committed to the care of one another by being burden bearers. And so tonight in the time that we have, uh, we read Galatians chapter 6. I want us to look at uh, three requirements for us to be effective burden bearers. Number one, we want to look at it requires a spiritual fortitude. It requires a spiritual fortitude. Now before we dive in there, it's important to define what a burden is. A burden in verse 2 specifically speaks of a heavy load that is difficult to carry. Uh, It represents a a difficulty or problem that someone has trouble coping with alone. What are some examples of burdens? There's emotional burdens. There could be uh, anxiety, fear, insecurity, uh, the death of loved ones. There's financial burdens. There's physical or health burdens, sickness, disease. There's spiritual burdens, perhaps. Uh, Maybe you have unsaved family and friends, and it burdens you uh, that they don't know the Lord. But in verse 1, I want us to look at a specific burden. That's the burdens because of sin. The burdens because of sin, which verse 1 describes as someone who is overtaken in a fault because it requires spiritual fortitude to bear those type of burdens. Here's what we mean. Nobody wants to be told they're doing something wrong. Would we agree? If you disagree, go on a trip with your spouse and hear her say you're going the wrong way. That, come, that, that, that becomes true in a, in a split second. And so not only do we not like to be told what we're doing wrong, it's even harder to be tasked with telling someone else they're doing something wrong. Is it not? Now, for a parent, it's pretty easy with your children. But when you have to deal with a fellow brother and sister in Christ because you're aware of something that they're doing that's maybe breaking God's law or breaking God's word or is not beneficial to their spiritual growth, that's difficult. But look, notice verse 1. Paul is talking to believers here. He says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. It requires spiritual fortitude. So how do we lovingly confront people when they're burdened by sin? Out of all the different burdens that I've mentioned, this is the hardest. It is the hardest because it is a spiritual responsibility. It takes maturity and it takes a lot of humility and grace. It's not fashionable. It's not convenient. It's certainly not delightful. It's a somber issue. It's a sobering issue. Do we have the responsibility to confront them? Absolutely. Verse 1 tells us as much. Will it be easy? No, of course not. Could it be messy? Absolutely. But is it living in obedience to Christ? Absolutely. Consider James chapter 5, verses 19 and 20. It says, Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. A few things under here. First of all, recognize first that we are not perfect ourselves. When it comes to the matter of of dealing with a a burden of sin, we have to come to the situation realizing that, you know what, I'm not perfect either. 
We've all been broken because of sin. We are all prone to sinful decisions. You and I will agree we all wrestle with the same devil, the same flesh, and the same world. And so when we come to the situation where we have to confront a fellow brother and sister in Christ, we don't come from it from an air of spiritual superiority. We do not. We come in a humble acknowledgement that we want to see this dear brother or dear sister restored. We want to come alongside them and help them with this burden. And so it says here, but brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore. The idea of fault there speaks of slipping, stumbling, or falling. Basically, the person has sinned, they've let their guard down, and we can all agree this happens to all of us. Whether it be sins of commission, sins that we commit, or sins of omission, sins that we commit by not doing something specific, we are all prone to this. So we do not come with an air of spiritual superiority. But as a spiritual burden bearer, it's so vitally important that we must avoid any type of hypocritical treatment of that person. Consider Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses 1 through 5. Uh, Jesus, now, I see this on big words uh, up on the screen. Judge not that ye be not judged. The world loves that verse, don't they? That part of the verse, don't they? Oh, those Christians, they just shouldn't judge because remember, Jesus said, Judge not, lest ye be not judged. But they don't bother finishing the rest of the passage. Let's look at verse, uh, I think verse 2. It says, uh, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? You think of a mote, you think of a beam. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, the beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast Cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. So understand this. We don't go in hypocritical. We go in with a clean heart. It says, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Not of superiority, but of a humble spiritualness to see them restored. So how do we do that? We have to respond properly. You know it's important? The way that we deliver a message can be just as important as the message itself. You think about that? So how do we respond properly? Well, first of all, we have to respond purposefully. What's the purpose of you confronting? It's to restore, is it not? It's to restore. That's the goal. Helping them see their sin from God's perspective and what God's plan is for correction. Uh, Psalm 51 verse 12, David said this, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. The word restore there carries the idea of to mend or to repair. The idea of, uh, is of putting a dislocated or broken limb back in its place. Listen, sin breaks us all, does it not? It breaks our fellowship with God. It breaks our relationship with others. Remember, David spoke as if his bones were broken when he sinned with Bathsheba. Psalm 51, again, verse 8. Make me to hear the joy and gladness, and the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Now, out of all of my family, there's six of us, there is only one of our kids that has broken a bone, and that is Sophia. She's not here tonight. She's home and, uh, but meek, mild little Sophia, right? Broke a bone. How did she do that? Well, when she was not even two yet, she was playing in, in a jungle gym uh, thing at her old church, and, and she fell. Uh, and uh, she was crying, and uh, a couple of the teenagers that were watching her 
uh, brought, her to, brought, brought her to us, and, and we thought maybe she was just shook up a little bit. And at that time, she lo- anything, if she was ever upset, the thing that would calm her down was chocolate milk. She loved chocolate milk. And so we gave her chocolate milk. That didn't calm her down. Okay, there's something seriously going on now. And so we had to take her to the hospital, found out that she had broken her clavicle. Uh, and so, not even two years old yet, she got her little sling. Somebody bought her a bunny that she could stick in there. I th- still think she has that bunny to this day. Uh, but thankfully, because her bones were still growing, she was so young that that sling, just as long as her arm stayed in that sling, the bone would eventually mend or be restored to the place that it needed to be. Listen, the purpose of being a burden bearer is to help people be restored to their relationship, to, to their fellowship in a right walk with Jesus Christ. Our purpose is not to speak against them or to shame them, but rather to serve them in the best way possible. So we got to respond. We got to respond properly. How about this? We need to respond gently. We need to respond gently. It says here, "You which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness." If we're not careful, we can unjustly criticize, condescend, humiliate, and run them off. Think about how you would want to be treated in that situation and treat them properly. Context, uh, in 1 Thessalonians 3.15, Paul is speaking here in context of a wayward brother. He says this, yet count him not as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. We need to respond gently, but then also we need to respond cautiously. We need to respond cautiously. Consider the, the, the end of this verse. Considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Listen, we must be on guard ourselves that we do not fall into that sin as well. When we, react, uh, when we act in spiritual matters, Satan's temptations will loom large. 1 Thessalonians 10.12 says this, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. Proverbs 16, 18, pride goeth before a destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And so if we're to bear one another's burdens, and especially when it comes to the area of a burden because of sin, it requires us to have spiritual fortitude, spiritual strength in the process. Again, to restore them, to bring them back in the fold. It may require confrontation. It may require some us getting out of our comfort zone a little bit. But listen, if we're spiritual, if we're seeking to see them restored as a brother or sister in Christ, it requires us to have some difficult conversations sometime. So how do we bear? How do we become a burden bearer? It requires, number one, a spiritual fortitude. But number two, it requires a sincere focus. It requires a sincere Focus. Look at verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone, and not and another. And so the, the idea that it's been shifted now from the spiritual, the, the, the burden of sin to now more of burdens in general, the, 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 the heavy loads that we may carry in life. Now, listen, there's a disclaimer. No one is exempt from the burdens of life. No one is exempt. Each of us have and will experience trials in this life. Charles preached it uh, on Sunday night. 
Uh, sin has brought ruin, hardship, and pain into life, and we deceive ourselves if we think we won't be touched by it. But let's also be honest. We all have our own share of burdens that we must deal with every single day. However, we're challenged in this verse to shift our focus. Here's what I mean. Dealing with our own burdens does not exempt us from bearing on each other's burdens, does it not? You think, I have too many burdens of my own to carry that I don't have the time to bear one another's burdens. Our focus is off. It requires a sincere focus. I am commanded in verse 2 to bear one another's burdens. And so, yes, I may have a lot of burdens of my own, but God asked me to step, my, step aside from myself and focus on others. Because let's be honest, there's many times in the Christian life we live like this, do we not? Tunnel vision. I have all of my things that I need to focus on. Now, are those things important? Absolutely. Are those things necessary? Absolutely. But we can't live like this because there are so many opportunities that God may use, have to present to us so that we can be used by him to touch and be a blessing to one another, bearing one another's burdens. So there's a disclaimer. No one is exempt from the burdens of life. I have burdens. You have burdens. We all have burdens. No, I don't think anybody came in here tonight and said, you know what? <laughs> I'm burden free. Don't need to pray for me tonight. No one would come in here ever thinking that or even saying that, let alone, because we all have burdens. But we want to see some details. How do we bear burdens? How do we do it? First of all, give attention. This goes to the idea of the tunnel vision. Give attention. Look around. There's opportunities to bear burdens if we look for them. Romans 15.1 says this, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Here's a challenge. Ask God, God, I want to be a better burden bearer. Lord, open my eyes that I may see people that have burdens that I can come alongside and help them with. Listen, there was a great example in the Old Testament. Remember, Moses had just led the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. They've crossed the Red Sea. They're on their way to Mount Sinai. And Moses, as the prophet, he was also the judge. And so you have to try to manage over a million people. Problems are going to happen. I mean, Pastor Holmes is famous for saying... People plus personalities equal problems, right? And so Moses has probably got a million problems he's trying to sort through every single day. And Moses' father-in-law, if you remember this passage, I think it's, it's in Exodus chapter number 18. Moses' father-in-law sees Moses just becoming so burdened by having to deal with all the problems. And so what Jethro, his father-in-law, suggests is, hey, Moses, you're doing too much. You're going to burn yourself out and you're not even halfway to Mount Sinai yet. You're going to burn yourself out. Here's what you do. I want you to find a group of men who can help you in this matter. People that are spiritual, uh, that, that, that are walking with the Lord, that there's a, a level of maturity about them. And I want you to help ha- appoint them and they will handle some of the more trivial matters of things that are coming up. And I want you to focus on the bigger things. What happened? Jethro saw that his son-in-law was completely weighed down by burdens and he offered a solution. He didn't, instead of just ignoring Moses, okay, well, Moses is the prophet. He's got to deal with all this stuff. No, no, no. Jethro paid attention to his son-in-law and saw that he was carrying too much. And he gave him 
some answers, some solutions to help ease that burden. But it requires us to give attention. It requires us to pay attention to one another. If we're going to bear one another's burdens, we've got to pay attention to one another. How about this? Show genuineness. Show genuineness. Proverbs 17, 17 says, A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. People don't, I've, 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 I've heard this quote many times, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. The Pharisees, you know, they were rebuked by Jesus because they recognized that the people had burdens, but refused to help bear those burdens. Consider uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 4. Uh, speaking of uh, Jesus, the woe to the scribes and the Pharisees. For he says this, For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. And so Jesus is, is, is confronting the religious leaders, the ones that were supposed to come alongside the people to bear those burdens. And they said, the Pharisees, you know, we're not, they have their burdens, they can take care of them themselves. Listen, that's not being a burden bearer. A burden bearer requires us to show some genuineness, that we see the need, we take the lead, that we help, we come alongside, and we encourage. When we know to do right, but refuse to follow through with the right, we venture into the pit of hypocrisy. That's exactly what the Pharisees, they saw the need, they saw it was the right thing to do, but didn't do anything about it. So show genuineness. Give attention. How about this? Give scripture. Give scripture. Why is it that we put such a priority on memorizing scripture? Because God will use that when you bear each other's burdens. I love this passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, I remember having to memorize this in college, and it's, it's always stuck with me. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Hey, we serve a good God, don't we not? Who comforteth us in all our tribulations. Those burdens, right? He comforts us in all of our tribulation. Catch this, why? Why? That we may be, may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted by God. Catch that. Why does God let us go through hard times? Yes, to, to challenge our faith, to mold us, to mature us, but also to prepare us. Because there will be times where you will come alongside someone who is going through the same trial maybe you went through six months, six years before, and God gave you the scriptures, God gave you the grace, God gave you the answers, and now you can be the catalyst to bear that burden for that person. And only you can. Because God sent you through that burden. He, he had you bear that burden. And so that one day you could bear that burden for someone else. That's why God does it. So that you can comfort those. And you know, the only truest way to bear a burden is to point people back to the Lord and to his word. Listen to them, pray with them, but remember ultimate comfort, confidence, and strength comes from him and him alone. It requires a sincere focus. But then I love this. We see the the disclaimer, we see the details, but we also see the delight. Notice the end of verse 2. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. 
Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30, Jesus says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. You know, we're not given this command to bear one another's burdens, to be crushed by it. Let's be honest, it may take us out of our comfort zone. It might. But rather we understand that when we bear one another's burdens, we're living in obedience to Christ. We're fulfilling the law of Christ. You know, rather, we recognize that our need for Christ is he comes alongside us to help us bear the burdens of others. And guess what? We exemplify and we follow the example of the greatest burden bearer, do we not? I'm thankful that Jesus came and bore my burdens, don't you? Our biggest burden, obviously, was, was sin and the weight of our sin. And Jesus came to bear that on the cross. And so when Jesus says to come unto him, listen, we come unto him so that we can go unto others and share how, share his truth and, 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 and his comfort to help bear those burdens. Because bearing one another's burden is spiritual work. It requires spiritual strength. It requires spiritual strength. Colossians 1.10, Paul praying for the church of Colossae, that they be strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness. Listen, we need spiritual strength if we're going to do spiritual burdens. We are. There's a story of Muhammad Ali. Uh, allegedly, after boarding a plane, a stewardess asked him to buckle his seatbelt before liftoff. He shot back, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which she responded, well, Superman don't need an airplane, so buckle up. <laughs> you know, bearing one another's burdens requires a certain humility. Does it not? It does. No one here, and this is why really verse 3 and verse 4, we don't have time to park on those too much. No one here should think themselves above bearing one another's burdens. It requires humility. Listen, when we recognize our position as simply sinners saved by grace, because that's all we are, there's no spiritual hierarchy. There's not. We're no better than the sinning brother or the sinning sister next to us. But guess what? We've been called to bear burdens. You and I are truly acting out of a love for one another when we purposely bear the burdens that they have. Not in our own strength, because our own strength, we're going to get weary but in the strength that our great burden bearer gives us to help others. So we see, number one, we see it uh, requires a spiritual fortitude. Number two, it, can, it can, requires a sincere focus. But then number three, and we're done, it requires a specific filter. It requires a specific filter. Now, look at verse two. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Look at, number, look at verse five. For every man shall bear his own burden. Hmm. Okay, Paul. Now, obviously, we believe God's word is not contradictory, but yet you read verse 2 and your verse 5, and you're like, I would scratch my head, but I don't got much hair up there, and I've done that enough in my life. How do we reconcile these two? How do we reconcile, bear one another's burdens, but you know what? Bear your own burden. What are we talking about there? Well, we got to look at the term burden. In the original language, the, the word burden in verse 2 is, uh, is the idea of a heavy load. Whereas in verse 5, it speaks more of a, of a backpack type of a burden. Uh, not, not as heavy of a burden. Something that you're able to bear on your own. 
burdens that God gives us to carry on our own. So, an example. So, Hannah's birthday was, uh, was it last week or a couple weeks ago? I forget. Uh, it's been a long couple weeks. And so, uh, Hannah's birthday, I believe, was last week. And for her birthday, we got her a new bicycle with training wheels on it. Now, this is a rad-looking bike. It's got pink wheels. It's very, very pink. It's her favorite color. Uh, you, you, you could pick it out in a lineup. It's very bright. And so, we bought her this bike. Now... Whose responsibility, whose, if we could use the term burden, whose responsibility is it to teach Hannah how to ride the bike? Me, right? It is my responsibility as a father, as a good father, to teach her how to ride a bike. Now, we, we, t- we had to rearrange the, uh, on a side note, we had to rearrange the training wheels. They were too high. It became more of an exercise bike. Like it was, the training wheels were too high. She couldn't go anywhere. And so we tightened them down, or so I thought. It might have been safer to work with the exercise bike after I tell you this story. And so we're riding around the block. One of the training wheels popped off. And it's, all, it's that slow motion moment in a dad's life where you're like, your daughter's going to like crash. And you're like, I can't reach you type thing. And she, she stuck a good landing. She's fine. She was all right. She got right back on. We tightened it back up on our way. But it's dad's responsibility to train her. What would you think if I asked George Jenkinson to come over and teach my daughter how to ride a bike? Now, I told him, I gave a preface that I was going to use him tonight, but I said in a very complimentary way. Now, you may find out that George Jenkinson has an A-plus rating with the Better Bicycle Bureau. I don't think that's a thing, but, and he is a master at riding bikes. He would be entrusted. He would give all the right, the right, right things to, to focus on and to ride safely. If, if I were to call George Jenkinson over and say, I want you to teach my daughter how to ride a bike, you guys would think, why is he not doing it himself? He's her dad. Exactly. You and I all have specific burdens, backpack loads that you and I are required to carry ourselves. It is not your responsibility to raise my children. It's my responsibility. Now, I'm thankful for a church that comes alongside the home to help encourage my children. That's my burden to bear. That is my responsibility. That is my backpack to carry. You know, it's essential that you and I filter in each of our lives what is a load and what is a burden. It requires a specific filter. It requires wisdom. It requires humility. But let's be careful because here's, here's a trap that we can fall into. Let's be careful not to treat everything as a load and not seek the help of others. We would call that stubbornness. But on the other end, let's not treat everything as a burden and expect others to bear them with us. That would be self-centered. Either choice is unhealthy and either choice is not helpful for the church body. Each and every one of us, and this is where verse 5 comes in, each and every one of us has a load, a responsibility that's been given by the Lord to fulfill on our own. There are things that I cannot help you with, and there are things you cannot help me with. However, these loads require our faithfulness to accomplish, because one day we're going to stand before the Lord to give an account for how we manage the loads he entrusted us with. Consider 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 
For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every man may receive the things done in his body according that he hath done, he hath done, whether it be good or bad. So when it comes to a specific filter, may God give us a specific filter that we may know when it's proper to come alongside a brother and sister in Christ to shoulder their burden or when it's something that we, they need to handle on their own. May we discern the difference in our lives between a burden to share and a load to carry ourselves. As I, as I finish up here, uh, there was a story about a man who fell into a pit and he couldn't get himself out. An emphatic person, sorry, an empathetic person came along and said, I feel for you down there. A Pharisee said only bad people fall into pits. A gossiper wanted to know all the details. A self-pitying person said, you should see my pit. Kind of hard, but a fire and brimstone preacher said, you deserve your pit. A psychologist noted, your parents are to blame for your pit. A self-esteem therapist said, believe in yourself and you can get out of the pit. An optimist said, things could be worse. A pessimist, a pessimist said, there's nothing worse than this. But Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him out of the pit. Listen, may each of us take up the challenge to be better burden bearers for the benefit of one another and for the glory of God. Let's pray.